Local voices, local conversations. NapaBroadcasting.com Thanks for joining us once again here at NapaBroadcasting.com. It's hard to believe, but Election Day, primary Election Day, is literally only about two months away. So we are in full swing in terms of talking to all of the candidates that are running for various local offices and statewide offices that are going to be representing us. It is my pleasure right now to be joined by someone that represented us for a very long time, for six years in the State Assembly. She's Mariko Yamada. She's running for the State Senate this time around. And it's my pleasure to welcome her to NapaBroadcasting.com. Mariko, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you very much for having me. It's great to have you here. Uh, You served six years in in the Assembly, representing a district not dissimilar to, to the one you're running for in the State Senate. Talk a little bit about what got you involved in politics. You served on the Yolo County Board of Supervisors before that. Give us a little background, a little history. Well, thank you again, Jeff. Uh, well, my uh, career in public service now spans 42 years. Uh, many of uh, my friends here in the Napa area know that I'm a professional social worker by training. Uh, I did my uh, graduate work uh, in Southern California, was active in democratic politics then, uh, and uh, took my first political position with the Los Angeles County Board of Supervisors in the mid-70s, working for uh, a newly elected county supervisor, Ed Edelman, who was uh, the leading liberal on the board at that time. Uh, So when I was hired... Um, I was hired as... He uh, served on that board for a long time. Yes, he, yes he did. <laughs> yes, he did. In fact, uh, I believe he uh, con- concluded maybe 24 years right. on the L.A. County Board. And um, he was uh, quite uh, a pioneer for the early 70s when he hired... Uh, certainly brought many of his uh, Westside staff over from his days as an L.A. City Council member. Uh, But he hired uh, four Latino uh, staff. He hired me, uh, one of the first Asian Pacific Islander staff uh, in the history of L.A. County Board. And he also hired the first openly gay staff member. Uh, And again, remembering that... uh, Uh, We still have challenges today with many different uh, groups that are uh, being victimized and still subject to discrimination. But this was the mid-70s. And so uh, I have to say that uh, as sort of the beginning of the proving ground for me uh, in working in uh, the political arena, I, I found it to be, you know, a very privileged place to be. In all these years of public service, and you've been around politics and around elected officials and and elections for a long time, how has it all changed as you look back at it? How has the process changed? How has politics changed here in California? Well, I would say that uh, the influence of money in politics uh, after Citizens United um, and certainly some of the changes here in the way Uh, The uh, top two primary has now uh, focused attention on uh, maybe less of the partisanship, uh, which could be a good thing. But, you know, I think there are differences in the values of each of the major parties in our country. But I think what we have found is that uh, we are spending more and more money for fewer and fewer votes. And uh, that's not a very good trend, I think. The participation rate, uh, we know, um, is, is, is in decline. Now, of course, we find ourselves in a presidential period, uh, presidential cycle, and we know that uh, voter behavior and voter uh, participation uh, changes. And certainly now that California uh, is frankly in play, probably for one of the very first times in the presidential primary, uh, we're not going to be just seen as an ATM machine for candidates. 
And in fact, it may result in a much higher vote turnout as it affects uh, elections like yours and even some of our, you know, local supervisorial races here in Napa. Absolutely. I think any time voter participation peaks for whatever reason, um, you know, these external or higher level races, if you will, or top of the ticket races certainly can have an effect uh, on the down ticket races. But, you know, I'm uh, one of these... um, uh, great believers in civic engagement. Uh, again, as a social worker, it's, uh, I believe, part of my obligation uh, to ensure that those who are disenfranchised and those who generally have no voice in the system for one reason or another, uh, that they are both uh, included as well as engaged in the process. And so, you know, I'm happy to see uh, the attention that's being paid here, uh, not only locally, but throughout the state and the country. As I'm, we mentioned earlier, you spent six years in the legislature in Sacramento. Why do you want to go back? Well, you know, I believe that the time period that I served from 2008 to 2014 uh, were, of course, the first four years were some of the toughest times uh, our state and our nation has ever faced since the Great Depression. And so uh, there were projects and programs and services that I would have liked to have seen uh, strengthened rather than cut and reduced. Uh, the first four years were very, very challenging. Uh, there were very tough budget votes that uh, some of us took that you know we never expected that we had to take. The last uh, year to year and a half of my time in the uh, legislature, and that was when the district changed 70% for me for the last two years is when I had the uh, privilege for the first time of uh, getting introduced here in the Napa area. Uh, there, there is work that remains that needs to either be restored or strengthened or uh, innovations that I believe that I bring um, the experience and the values uh, that would best uh, advance those goals. And so I see it as a logical continuation of my years in public service uh, at the city, county, regional, state, and federal levels, Mm -hmm. as well as the private nonprofit arena. You talk about things that were cut, changes that had to be made, sacrifices that had to be made back in that uh, 2008, 2009, 2010 period when, when there really were deep financial problems in the state. What were some of those cuts and some of those things that, that you were unhappy about that you would like to see changed or restored or readdressed now that times seem to be a little better? Certainly. Well, first and foremost, uh, cutting $17 billion from public education uh, was very painful for, for everyone. And I think we are seeing uh, some progress and some restoration, certainly thanks to the voters uh, for uh, passing Proposition 30 and the leadership of the governor, as well as many other partners, to ensure that we could get through those worst of times. Uh, We all know that Prop 30 provisions, uh, the first of which are expiring at the end of this year, that's the quarter cent sales tax, and then in 2018 will be the expiration of the tax on higher income earners. So um, certainly that's uh, anyone that is going to serve in the state senate or the state assembly going forward uh, does have to face the prospect uh, of those those revenues potentially going away. In fact, the redo on Prop 30 does not discuss extension of the sales taxes, which we know sales taxes are the most regressive form. Um, so education certainly won. Uh, for me, many of your listeners, I hope, know that uh, my 
principal policy interest areas in aging and long-term care. Uh, I love children too. You know, I have two (laughs) children that have somehow managed to uh, grow into adults. But uh, what I want to say is certainly not to diminish anything for children's program programming and services. But for those who have laid the foundation of our country uh, and who asked for very little uh, during some of their toughest times, I think we owe uh, the the golden generation um, the the kind of income and um, services security that they deserve, and that certainly also includes our veterans community, mm-hmm. uh, people who again uh, you know stepped up, stepped forward, and uh, really uh, helped build our nation. I think we don't do a very good job of taking care of our elders uh, in our society, and and it's just been always. I also took care of my own mother for twenty three years, and so it was really that process of watching her uh, in her physical, mental, and financial state really go through some very tough times. Uh, That's what really got me engaged in um, senior issues, in issues of disability, and issues of retirement security. What are the areas that you would like to see the state doing more specifically in terms of some of these issues with respect to seniors? Well, I think uh, clearly the caregiver issue is uh, very, very uh, prominent in the discussions, Um, both uh, the public system that we have, the in-home supportive services program, which is the longest and largest uh, long-term care services program in the nation. It's been over, it's I think close to 40 years now that the IHSS program uh, has been in place in our state. Uh, but the, um, the, the home care for the rest of us, which mm-hmm. is uh, we do not qualify because of our incomes. Uh, with the recent uh, passage of the minimum wage, which I certainly do support as a statewide uh, standard, uh, this is going to affect some of our seniors who, uh, frankly, are on fixed incomes. And we're going to need to find out how this uh, minimum wage increase uh, is going to could affect them in terms of ensuring that they can stay in their homes with the help of uh, licensed caregivers. I know Napa uh, has great advances in licensing caregivers, uh, private caregivers. So um, again, uh, caregiving is sort of one of, especially for uh, seniors and persons with disabilities, uh, it has become more uh, part of the uh, uh, priority discussion. I think we still hear more about child care issues, though, than elder care. Uh, So um, that will certainly be uh, a focus of mine if I should be privileged to return to the Senate. With respect to the minimum wage, are you satisfied with what uh, the legislature and the governor did? There were many people that think it was too much. Some think it was too little, didn't go fast enough. Where, Where do you come down on that? Well, certainly uh, the issue of income inequality, uh, you know, it's undeniable, uh, not just uh, locally or in our state, but in our country. And so it's it's definitely an issue that had to be addressed. The fact that um, this quote-unquote deal could be announced the Saturday, you know, just uh, after the spring break, uh, be drafted, voted on in both houses and sent to the governor within one week, just speaks to uh, the uh, actually the opportunity to get long-term intractable problems solved if we get all the people to the table that need to be there. Um, I think that there will be um, certainly impacts to small businesses. I have many, many friends um, 
who are in small business. I also come from a family uh, that had a small business, as did my husband's family. And so, um, you know, we, we can't just pass this minimum wage or enact a minimum wage without understanding some of the real impacts to small businesses that I think can be balanced if we begin to examine um, other creative ways to help small business, uh, like looking at tax credits, uh, looking at addressing and confronting the workers' comp system, uh, which in tandem with the changes in the Affordable Care Act, I think if we were able to merge the systems, the health care systems that are really there to deliver health care or supposed to be there to ha- deliver health care services uh, rather than fuel the insurance industry, um, I think this is a way that hopefully we can get some relief uh, for some of the small business owners. And, you know, there are some, there, there is a delay for businesses that have fewer than, I believe, right. 25 employees. They have an right. extra year. And the other um, balance to the legislation that the governor just signed this past, you know, Monday um, is that uh, the increase can be suspended Pen, you know, based upon economic conditions. Right. So your question, you know, should we have done it? Yes, I certainly supported the increase to the minimum wage. Um, is it all done and all with a nice bow around it? No, <laughs> I, I think we, we will see, um, the ne- see some additional conversations about this. But at least there is certainty there. And I think uh, we will, you know, certainly revisit this issue. It's not an issue that's just going to you know, resolve itself uh, in one in mm-hmm. one act. Talk a little bit about the governor and uh, the past six seven years of of the Brown administration, and how you think the governor has done in terms of one writing the fiscal ship for the state and uh, the rainy day funds that have been put aside, and uh, a lot of people, a lot of Democrats in the legislature wanted to see more spending for more things. Where do you come down on all well, of that? Well, certainly, you know, I uh, entered my service in the Assembly under uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and so I certainly remember those two years very well. Um, again, my last four years, we were still, you know, trying to write that fiscal sh- ship, as you referenced. Uh, you know, I have always been a supporter and an admirer of Jerry Brown for a lot of reasons, so a couple of notable exceptions that we might get to in this conversation. <laughs> uh, but, uh, um, you know, he, um, he represents kind of what we say it was the adult in the room. Uh, he's also... Uh, He's also born in the year of the tiger, as am I. So, you know, I always like to think uh, um, there's some element of, you know, uh, of an alliance there, perhaps. Uh, he's a little bit older than I am, but not that much. Um, he, uh, you know, approaches problems from uh, a very uh, intellectual point of view. And also, he's just a really frugal guy. And I think that's what the taxpayers expect. You know, mm-hmm. we're all taxpayers, um, or most of it here in in this conversation, certainly. And so, uh, you know, I think that he has been the exact governor that we needed at the right, at the exact time. Now, where we depart uh, are certainly on the issues of the wa- of water and the delta. Uh, and he has not been a friend to aging and long term care, um, not at all. 
And so, um, you know, it's disappointing to me to think that uh, someone, again, with his abilities and his uh, vision for the state, you know, cannot ignore the fact that 20% of our state will be 65 years of age and older in less than 20 years. And the services needs and, you know, all of the uh, associated issues with retirement security and so forth. Um, I know that he, he is aware of it. He just has not been a friend, in my opinion, to uh, these on these issues. Mm-hmm. Talk about the water issue and, and where <laughs> you come down on that. I have a feeling. Well, <laughs> you know, having uh, been born and raised in Denver, Colorado, where, you know, water was never an issue, at least at that time when I was growing up, and then living in Southern California, uh, as well as Northern California, I think I, I've had the opportunity to uh, experience many different perceptions of water, but here in in our wonderful state, um, clearly uh, Senate District Three, you know, which is all our right. parts of six counties, uh, f- uh, four of the five Delta counties are contained in this district or are are part of this district. So Senate District Three is literally ground zero for the water wars, the Delta wars. And uh, even at the point in time I served on the Yolo County Board of Supervisors, I was already engaged uh, in these water discussions. I served six years on Assembly Water Parks and Wildlife, so I uh, left as the senior member on that committee. Uh, The first few years, I was the only voice of the Delta on that committee. Uh, In later years, a couple of other members joined, which was helpful because this water committee is large uh, and is supposed to reflect the diversity of the state. But when the delta uh, that is the source of uh, water supply for about 23 million Californians in in the Southland uh, is in play, um, you know, it it would have been nice to have a few other allies. Um, I do not support uh, the construction of the twin tunnels for uh, at least two reasons. First, it is environmentally unsound, and secondly, it's financially or economically unsound. Uh, There were attempts by the legislature to bring this project under legislative oversight, but all of the times that we uh, advanced this legislation, it was thwarted and killed. It never even got out of committee. So uh, the reality is this twin tunnel project is something that can be built because there's no nothing stopping it. Now, I believe it's Dean Cortapasi and some others who were around in the prior peripheral canal discussion uh, that have put an initiative on uh, or proposed to put an initiative on to uh, not name the tunnels and not name high-speed rail, but establish a uh, threshold for approval that must you know, go to the people. So um, I don't know what's going to happen with that. But I, I think there are much better ways to address our water future than what is being proposed. Mm-hmm. What about high-speed rail? What are your feelings about that? I supported, uh, I believe it was Prop 1A. Of course, the props all get re- right, re- I renumbered. But either. I believe it was Prop 1A. I, I did vote for it. That was the initial, you know, several billion mm-hmm. dollars. Um, I think the project certainly has changed. Over time, I think the fiscal projections. Since last week, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, truly, Uh, yes, uh, much to uh, maybe the surprise of our Los Angeles uh, colleagues. Um, You know, I uh, had the opportunity to visit Japan. um, Well, just twice in my life, but I uh, went uh, 
uh, at my own expense uh, over spring break in, in my last year in the assembly. I had not done any of those kind of trips that some of my colleagues uh, go on. But I thought, you know, my last year in the assembly, uh, I'm going to self-fund. I uh, went on a study tour with the California Senate uh, to study high-speed rail in Japan as well as aging uh, programs, aging systems, uh, and how they uh, address their 35-plus percent, 65-year uh, and above population. Um, you know, we can't compare Japan uh, to California in that sense because, of course, having been bombed, you know, out uh, during World War II, uh, the Japanese were able to uh, develop, design, and implement a high-speed rail system that is really remarkable uh, in the 50s. And so, you know, they are way, we're way ahead of us um, on, on this technology and, and the service to the people uh, of their country. But I, I'm a believer in um, ensuring that we have transportation alternatives and that we um, provide uh, ways for people to travel that is really going to get them out of their cars. Um, you know, uh, I can't even begin to tell you after the lines changed for me in 2011, uh, just the amount of time that I have spent on the roads just getting out to uh, my then assembly district, the new assembly district, but certainly now um, in the Mm -hmm. Senate race as well. Um, Pretty much you have to allow a couple of hours, you know, cushion time because you never know how traffic is going to be on Highway 37 or on 29 or 12. So, uh, again, high-speed rail is not coming to Napa, folks. I mean, I don't don't, want to say that, but I I think just as a a culture shift in our society, I think we do have to look – uh, beyond the here and now and say what what do we want our transportation systems to look like for future generations in the meantime does the state need to be spending more money on infrastructure and on the highways as you see it well you know certainly um, we know that the the same cuts or reductions in services and you know, monies allocated to um, health and education and prisons and so forth also affected the infrastructure of our state. We are uh, very, very behind in terms of our roads, bridges, um, you know, highways. Uh, it, it is to the point of, frankly, being dangerous in some parts of our state. And so, uh, yes, the the problem is uh, gas tax revenue, as we know, is in decline for a variety of reasons. Uh, and so uh, it, it's got to be a multifaceted approach to trying to address um, these these infrastructure problems that are really literally right in front of our faces in the pothole ahead of us. Uh, or the bridge. Do, we need, do we need to increase the gas tax in California? <laughs> well, some say yes, uh, because we haven't increased it you know, measurably. I mean, that portion of the gas tax. Of course, uh, people paying at the pump, do not feel that way because there are all these other additional costs uh, to uh, that are added to our fuel um, uh, charges. You know, we have summer blend. We have you know all these additional charges. Um, I I'd like to make sure that the revenue that we are collecting now is really being allocated and spent uh, in in the best ways possible. Before I would say yes, we should you know increase the gas tax because I think just locally. On your November, or excuse me, on your June seventh ballot, you have at least four additional um, taxes being uh-huh. proposed, and so um, I think again the citizens deserve 
uh, transparent accounting of what's being collected now and whether there are ways in which we can spend the money in a much more uh, strategic way, a much more surgical way perhaps, uh, than to go again to the, you know, you can only dip the well so so far before you have to dig deeper. And I think um, I think the citizens are are concerned about that. Before we uh, completely run out of time, mm-hmm. I want to sort of talk uh, in a, a philosophical sense about so many of the problems that, that we've touched on and housing, which we really haven't even gotten into. But do we need to be looking at more regional approaches to these issues as opposed to trying to solve them all in various local ways in the many communities that are part of of your district, for example? Well, you know, I'm glad you asked that question because uh, clearly uh, political jurisdictions uh, do not always make sense. Uh, Having been a county supervisor and knowing how our 58 county lines are drawn, um, you know, I'm sure the people that drew them thought that was a good way to divide the state of California up at the time. But certainly regional approaches, I did serve on uh, a select committee on regional approaches to uh, our state's water crisis. Uh, you know, water does not care whether it's, you know, flooding Napa, Solano, Yolo, you know, Sonoma, whatever. It's just going to flow. So uh, I think, uh, frankly, you've given me the great opening to say that the reason I think uh, a social worker who, you know, there are certain stereotypes about what social workers do, but the way we are trained to think uh, is is pretty straightforward. You start where the problem is, and then you marshal the resources around the problem to get the problem solved. Uh, we don't ask what party you are, you know, what you know, who you who you love, what your religion is. You know, we we don't ask those kinds of questions unless maybe it's pertinent to the case. But the point I'm trying to make is that there are very practical ways to solve problems that I think sometimes political boundaries um, get in the way of. And I think if we got back to some common sense approaches to solving problems, including the regional approach, um, we would uh, get things done a lot quicker. Uh, The state is real good at blunt force, one size fits all. And I think that has gotten us into a lot of trouble over the years. I hope that we are able to bring some of this regional kind of thinking uh, to state government. And finally, bringing it back to the most local of issues, the two candidates, the two primary candidates that are running for the state assembly are both from uh, from Davis, from Yolo County. You're from Lo- Yolo County. For the people of Napa looking at this, should there be a concern that uh, they want to be represented by, by people that have some connection to Napa and not everybody from, uh, from Davis and Yolo County? Well, I might just say with uh, that opening, uh, you know, we did not have to have this um, scenario. Uh, because, frankly, um, my opponent, my principal opponent in this race, uh, certainly had the opportunity uh, fairly clearly to serve 12 years in the Assembly. Um, So, you know, the fact that uh, this was maybe not the most planned or expected scenario uh, did not give uh, anyone really the time uh, to mount uh, uh, an assembly race, you know, because we just had the assembly race in 2014 when the Senate race opened up in 2015. So um, 
what I will say is this. Yes, I am a 22-year resident Davis, um, but I have made it uh, always a point in my career. Again, social workers don't wait for people to come to us. We go out to where the people are. And I think that um, uh, it's unfortunate that we don't did not have the time to even maybe get to know um, our current state assembly member in YOLO before you know, we could say the same thing. Our current assembly member uh, is from Napa, and um, it's kind of like we barely know you. Uh, and, you know, now there's the advent of our race. Um, but I, I think any good public servant uh, cannot, has to, has to lead and has to govern uh, based upon the district as a whole. And if there is favoritism to one community or another, or allegiance, or more time spent just because you live in a particular area, I think that's a disservice to the constituents, and I think that's not the honorable way to to govern. I think you have to be the representative for the whole district, understanding there certainly are nuances and very, um, uh, you know, clear clear needs that are different in different parts of a district that you might that represent. That is what you get to know. I mean, you know Davis, you know, better than <laughs> people that have lived in Napa, for example. I suppose so, although there are many affinities as well, as we know uh, in the all-important uh, wine industry here. Uh, you know, we have a great affinity with UC Davis uh, in the uh, viticulture and enology departments. Um, we have a wonderful program right here at Napa Valley College that, you know, is also training the next generation of, of uh, uh, you know, students in enology. And so, um, you know, again, just as that other question, should we take more of a regional approach to solving our problems? Um, I think we can do the same and apply the same kind of logic and principles uh, in ensuring that uh, any representative is held accountable by the constituents who sent them there to serve. Mariko Yamada, I thank you so much for coming in and uh, telling us about your state senate race and a little bit about your history and views. Thank you so much. Thank you very, very much. I really appreciate this opportunity. Thank you. Thanks for listening to NapaBroadcasting.com.